Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Today we have a very special episode. Jared is back and we're kicking off our holiday 2020 season and it's going to be the best holiday 2020 season that we can make and we're going to do it together. But today's episode is sponsored by store.tasty-yummies.com. Now that may sound familiar to you because that's my wife's URL. The amazing Beth Manos Bricky has wowed me again and she's going to wow you with her new line of signature chocolate bars. There's the Basic B chocolate bar. She loves dark chocolate, eats it every night. This is a smooth but rich dark chocolate that I would highly recommend to you. Then there's the Salty B chocolate bar. I don't know if you like the salty and the sweet. She loves it and really worked on getting the perfect amount of sea salt in there with each and every bite. And then there's my favorite, the Spicy Bee Chocolate Bar. Now this dark chocolate bar, you take a bite of it and it's smooth and dark chocolatey. And then all of a sudden in the end, that cayenne hit pow to the back of the throat. I cannot tell you how this chocolate bar takes you on a journey. And I'm going to encourage you to take a journey with my wife's signature line of premium chocolate bars, all certified organic raw cacao nibs, organic coconut sugar, and organic cacao butter. And hey, I don't have to tell you this. Uh, being my wife, that makes me 50% heir to the chocolate fortune. So every bar that you buy, not only are you making my wife happy, which makes me happy, but you're celebrating and supporting Adventures in Design and Disneyland for Designers. So what do you say? Store.tasty-yummies.com. Pick up some of these delicious signature chocolate bars today and support good folks trying to do good things. What do you say we get started with today's episode of Disneyland for Designers? It's episode 45 as we kick off our holiday season, it's a walk around Disneyland Christmas with Jared Maruyama doing his 13 favorite things to do during the holiday. And speaking of 13, don't forget Club 1313. We're meeting Sunday, December 13th for Disneyland Christmas Party. I'm going to bring together all of your favorite Christmas Disneyland traditions on Sunday, December 13th inside of Virtual Disneyland. If you did our DCA Christmas party back in November 13th, it was such a fun time. We activated snow mode and just did all of our favorite DCA holiday traditions. And DCA holiday is pretty great, but nothing's better than Disneyland holiday. And we'll be recreating it Sunday, December 13th over on YouTube channel Adventures in Design and over on Twitch channel AID Network. Won't you join me in an amazing Disneyland community for a really fun Christmas Christmas stroll around Disneyland Christmas, where we bring all your favorite holiday traditions back to life and celebrate them together as a community. It's Club 1313. We'll be setting off at sunset Sunday, December 13th in virtual Disneyland. Join me, friends. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Christmas in Disneyland. Jared, the, the last time we got to the park this early was way, way... Do you remember Do you remember January 2020 when we got to the park this early before? Gosh, that was, what, 10 years ago now? <laughs> uh, I do. I vaguely remember that. Um, yeah, 11 months. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. 11 months <laughs> going on 10 years. That's what it feels like. 
But the last time we came to the park this early, fun fact, we did it two days in a row to ride Rise of the Resistance. Mm. But why are we showing up this early just to wait in line to get this candy cane? Well, here's the thing. We do a lot of crazy things in the name of Disney, and this is yes. one of them. The candy cane will not taste any different. I guarantee you that. But it's So you haven't had one. We're both doing this because right. I haven't had first one time. either. This is your first, first time, time too. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm not even a crazy candy cane person, mm-hmm. but this is what we do, right? Everyone does this. Everybody knows that it's out there. We want to be part of that thing. Uh, it's a holiday thing, so it makes me even more prone to, yes. to jumping on the bandwagon yes. for this. Um, and then I'll, I'll be thrilled to get this hot candy cane in my hand, and I won't even care. But I got the candy cane. Do you think so, that it'll, when we actually get in line and we just got our, our candy cane boarding passes, we're number mm-hmm. 300. Uh, we're right now standing at, at the edge of Main Street. We, we're so far down the street from the uh, candy shop there that I can barely even see it. When we actually get this, do you think it's going to be... Will it be warm? You said warm. Do you think it'll be like right out of the oven? Because that I'm interested about. I, I, for some reason, that's what I assumed. It's again, it's <laughs> something that I've only <laughs> read about. Me like too. I'll see other people doing it and kind of actually kind of roll my eyes. But I think it's a cute tradition, and yeah. I think that's you know, it's kind of like how people go shopping on Black Friday as a tradition. Right. It's not fun and it's terrible, but people we always do it. Uh, so I feel it's it's like something. Like that. So I really don't know what the big difference will be but i'm sure i don't know it'll be just nice to have that thing right you know i always say every year is the year i'm going to go get up early and go get the candy cane but you know that i love staying till the end and when i get here early like we have today now i'm bound here till the end of night so i never do it but i'm glad this year out of all years you and i decided to go get the candy cane yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the COVID candy canes, uh, very exciting. Little oh, that, face masks on them. That yeah. sweet, sweet COVID cane. Can't wait to get it. <laughs> get it. I always thought that when they would hand it to me, and we'll find out here in a minute, yeah. that it would just be super, super like warm, and that I could almost yeah. maybe like bend it, like I could carve it right. a little bit, put that hook in it if I want to. Um, I've always been curious about it, but never quite crazy enough to take my used to be former very busy life and base it off of buying a candy cane. And and the thing about a Disneyland that will break your heart is, you know, okay, so let me get up. Today I got up at 6 a.m. So I can get on the road mm-hmm. at 7.30, got to the resort at 7, had to wait to get into the parking garage. You and I got to Main Street at 8. We're number 300. We don't even know if we're going to get said candy cane. So sometimes you reprogram your whole life, and then you still don't get the prize, like when we tried the first day to get boarding passes to Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> That's right. See, so this is the first year, unfortunately, that I am local, mm-hmm. and I can do these things. Because before, it would always be like, well, when are we going to be down there? You know, staying at a hotel and trying to, trying to time it out and everything. Uh, so th- that's why this is my weird pause year when I'm so close to Disneyland mm. and not able to do a lot of these things. So uh, next year is going to be epic. Um, <laughs> would you say that this year turned out different than what you were anticipating? No, no. I actually had it in my planner <laughs> that said worldwide quarantine uh, March through question mark. Uh, so I was ready. I was ready. Well, it looks like. Uh, it's almost our turn to get the, the, the candy cane. Nice. And I'm very, very curious. What is your prediction? Warm, ice cold, room temperature? What are, what are you feeling? We're, we're close. The moment is here. Room temperature, I, I think from probably a safety concern. Mm. Um, if not 
cold. Uh, so maybe it's just in our heads that it's warm. We'll just say it's warm, fool the people who haven't done this, and then kind of build up this tradition a little. Well, it's we are next, and I am now holding this warm, gentle little candy. It almost feels as if, dare I say, that I have little baby gargoo in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it feels so warm and precious. And yeah. Oh, oh, bro. Yes. That tastes like one part Christmas and one part Disneyland, which equals complete and total life magic. Yeah. I want to believe it's like a little more vanilla-y tasting mixed in with the peppermint. Like Mm. a little bit sweeter, a Mm. little bit mellower. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Not quite that I just brush my teeth vibe. Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. So uh, that was one of the things that you wanted to do today but now that we're yeah. here so early that we're you know pretty much uh, door busting to call back to black friday mm. you want to go see what the wait time is for the holiday version of the haunted mansion absolutely absolutely do we do we fast pass or do we just try to run on uh, let me text philander and see what we can get going on here <laughs> <laughs> let me see if i can get some of those very good uh, passes so one of the things that I've missed this year, and I'm so glad that we're doing this today, is the annual tradition of Jack Skellington yeah. being the first person to wish us Merry Christmas. That is such an amazing Southern California tradition. It would already be old hat by now, right? We've already ridden that thing 20 times oh, since it started. Easy. Uh, already yeah. jaded. Yeah. So it's uh, but just missing it more than ever this year. What if, if you had to summarize what your favorite detail in that attraction during the holidays is what what would you say mm. so i do like the animatronic i think actually the addition of the sally animatronic and just the figure being in there and it's a very limited kind of thing but i think that's really great i don't know why i don't know if it's because we've seen everything else so much and, and this feels like the the newer thing but uh it's one of my favorite uh parts of it as far as the nightmare layover i really like the way that the sally animatronic is uh, lit up like mm-hmm. she almost glows it's very yeah. heaven like you know and it, she's you know sort of this the realist in the community the, the right. Halloween community like she's, she understands like the real deal and is a bit of a, um, a uh, an innocent character and the lighting mm-hmm. and everything on her conveys that part of her character I'm surprised yeah. that you didn't steal the one that I was going to say and that my favorite part of this attraction during the holidays is when we whip across uh, that bridge and that smell of gingerbread mm. fills the room and and you get to see what version of the cake we got this year like i absolutely just love right. i mean that's already one of my favorite rooms in disneyland but the holiday version of it just crushes yeah no for sure i think yeah i again i think it's because these things are so like we've seen these things over and over again not that i get tired of them but i think the Sally thing is why it stands out because I do love that. And if that were to change or be gone, yeah, oh, it'd be just it'd be craziness. Uh, but I would like to see them continue to add an animatronic every so many years. Oh yeah, you know? I mean I think it'd be great to just keep plussing this thing because it's obviously not going anywhere. No, um, no. And so yeah, it'd be great to get like a little lock, shock, and barrel one, or or you know slowly add them in. I think they can still do. I think there's still room for a lot of stuff to happen throughout throughout that ride so let's let's hope they continue to develop it yeah there are a couple of rooms early on and i know they're just Mm -hmm. sort of building towards the the epic you know finale which is the graveyard scene but there are a couple of rooms early on where there could be a little bit more added in 
Also, the uh, Oogie Boogie animatronic that's normally in the Hitchhiking Ghost Room. That thing is a pretty big scale for something Mm -hmm. that's really, really temporary. And, you know, one of the bizarre fun facts that I learned about the Haunted Mansion is that all of this decorations lives in the show building all year long. And I just wonder, how do they fit all of this stuff in there and keep it out of our sight as, you know, I mean, I know that there's only so much room in that old mansion. Yeah, no, I think I was surprised when you when you mentioned that. I, I again, it's the it's part of the that magic of Disney. Like if you said you stayed on the those uh, the the doom buggy and go all the way around, oh. you know, I wonder how much like behind the scenes you see on on some of that. But yes, I, I think that kind of just hints at how much space there is around there from what we're actually seeing. Right. And and you know we've talked to people who've told us sort of how expansive it is down there. Um, so yeah, that would be awesome just to see a, like a part of that. Like, oh, here's where we keep the Oogie Boogie. See, it's just right here on the other side of this tree thing or something. Yeah, I would I'd love to see that. I would be so curious. They must have photographs mm-hmm. from years prior to know exactly where to place everything mm-hmm. because it feels, or maybe there's like gaff tape on the ground. Like I would just love to know that transformation of how do they get it within, you know, two weeks to feel like it's always that way. And then how mm-hmm. does it go back to being the, the traditional haunted mansion with minimal wear or tear? The the folks over at Mice Chat have like an unbelievable eye for detail. And mm-hmm. when they do their weekly little breakdown, they'll just be like, uh, the wallpaper is showing some damage in the stretching room. I'm like, you have got a better eye for design than I do because I go and I'm like, yeah, sick, it's back. Like, I'm not noticing that there's a rip in the wallpaper. And uh, their uh, editor over there does a really great job of finding all those little things. So I'm just so curious about that whole transformation team and how it works. But another holiday fun fact is that there is a division of Disneyland where all these folks do is just the holiday transformation. Mm-hmm. Like They're the, the key uh, cast or key cast members on the physical transformation but then once the holiday season passes they spend the whole rest of the year sewing things stitching things designing things getting things prepared like that would be so insane to live embedded in disneyland christmas 365 yeah it is amazing uh that is like what q1 i think for disney is it's all the holiday time yeah in general so um i mean it totally makes sense it's not like it's just a, a tiny little thing like halloween say or something like that it's like it kind of takes over quite a bit and it must generate so much uh revenue for them in general just from the uptick in the crowds and yeah. then the shopping that happens must just be insane and i think that's pretty evident from what we're seeing with like downtown disney being open during all of this like people can't even go to the park but they just want to come shop right yeah. they just want to come buy this stuff even if it were available online or whatever everyone just wants to be there walking around and shopping and, and i think that just gets heightened at christmas it does and and you know it's fascinating to think that the first couple of Disneyland Christmases were very low-key, and then Mm. for a while it doesn't get celebrated at all. And really, if you go back and become like a student of Christmas movies, all of the TV specials that you and I were raised on, those were all Mm. like 50s and 60s. And that's when Christmas really has a boom here in the U.S. after World War II, and you know everybody's spending money. 
And then in the 70s, you know, Christmas just kind of died. Like if you go to IMDb and you look at a list of every Christmas movie, there's literally hardly anything. Like one would come out every four or five years during the 70s. And mm-hmm. then in the 80s, it starts to build a little bit, builds more in the 90s. But my Lord, I would have to say that from 2000 to 2020, we have seen the largest transformation of celebrating both Halloween and Christmas, both of them coming together as like sort of a mutual holiday season. Like it has just gotten more and more intense. And let me tell you something, I am here for it. I love it. <laughs> Why do you think that is though with the seventies? Was it just a dark time or something? Like people weren't in the mood? Like I don't know. Collectively? I, I don't know. It's so weird that it just kind of all went away. Um, and when I was researching Christmas at Disneyland, like what we know as the modern version, that's only in the second half of the park's history. The first half of the park's mm-hmm. history, it started out very, very simple and stayed that way for, for decades. Well, it is interesting that the, one of the main points of that peanut special from the 50s, I think, is that uh, the commercialism of, of Christmas, <laughs> which already they're kind of complaining or, or even joking about it enough that that's the case and, you know, pink trees and, and all of that stuff. I wonder if there was just sort of a, a like a... You know, they got tired of it by the 70s, you know, like, oh, it represents all this other stuff. And then just like the 80s kind of comes back with commercialism, hardcore, which I think I would consider us more 80s kids than 70s kids, even though we did exist in that time period. I think that core time was in the 80s when everything was just sort of exploding into like products and, you know, MTV and just all of that stuff. Uh, And it doesn't seem like we've stopped since then. Are you of the same memory that I have of every fall like you know back to school meant some new clothes but also new cartoons which then transformed yep. into new action figures and new new toy lines do just you, in time for christmas yeah do you remember like maybe somewhere end of september october that sears wish book would show up at the house and it had a huge <laughs> toy section in it yeah absolutely the wish book the wish yeah. book man i i remember just like when it would come in I would blast through it one time fast, and then I would go mm-hmm. back and just like one page at a time. And when I got into that young boys department where they had the G.I. Joes and the Star mm-hmm. Wars figures and Transformers all laid out, like I just absolutely, absolutely love that that feeling. And if you look at where we're at now as a civilization, um, there was only so many after school cartoons, mm-hmm. cartoons Saturday morning. Now there are channels and streaming services where you can watch cartoons anytime you want. Uh, There was only so much information about new toys. Now there's literally content all around the manufacturing of toys, unboxing of toys, people playing with toys. Like we have literally gotten into a world where all of these things that we just got like a little drop of, you can immerse yourself in that as deep as you want to go. And it's really a wild time to be both a consumer and a consumer of content because whatever your genre is, like you and I right now, giving people more Disneyland. People used Mm. to just go there whenever they went there and then it disappeared. Now you can listen to podcasts, watch YouTube channels, watch things they made over on Disney plus with, you know, the, 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 the budget and access to the real story of Disneyland. Like it's amazing how much you can now consume the park from the convenience of your own home. Yeah. I mean, you know, as an adult, I love it because I can navigate it. Uh, I wonder like as a kid, it must just because you come into this thing that this is the world and for, right. you know when you're young that you just assume this is kind of how it's always been or right um, you know it doesn't occur to you but it, it did make things I, I mean this makes me sound so old because old people say this all the time but it made things more special because it was so 
precious. Like talking about that wish book, it was sort of serious business. Oh you yeah, like joking. You're like, okay, but if I get this, then this is too big. You know, so do you ask for the a few little things and one big thing because you know you're only going to get so much stuff um and like i know nowadays with kids that i know that have been and they're all old now already but it was so hard to get them to ask for things for christmas they didn't want toys they didn't want candy you know they just they get that stuff all the time and they're like asking for ipads or gift cards to amazon or you know that kind of stuff and uh, granted they don't know the difference it's not like they experienced what we experienced and now they're choosing this other thing but it made every tiny little thing so precious, right? Like Charlie yes. Brown Christmas Special is going to be on. You had to be at the TV when that came on, and you made sure you were, or you recorded it on a, you know, VCR. Uh, and now it's just like, yeah, it'll. I'll watch it online tomorrow. Yeah, I remember being in like cousin's house in like a basement where adults are playing cards, and you're like, whoa! Tonight is that one night of the year where <laughs> CBS is showing Rudolph. And yep. it literally took all of your attention. Like I always remember an adult like walking over to the bar making a drink, like, oh, what are you kids watching? You guys watching that yeah. you watching that dog with the red nose? I'm like, dog, it's a, it's a reindeer, bro. What's up with you? You know? Yeah. Uh, enjoy your yeah. drink. But yeah, it and I think in many ways, this society moving faster, Disneyland moving faster, like, you know, Disneyland moves at such a faster pace than Disney World to keep up with the attention span and the needs of the sophisticated Southern California customer as their core customer. In many ways, this year has felt like a hard reset on society. Mm. And being mm-hmm. our age and knowing it went slow, 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 little faster, little faster, little faster. Oh my God, we're going a thousand miles an hour at a brick wall. This has seemed like the brick wall. You always wondered, could everything always keep going that fast forever? Exactly. It's the, the higher being, whoever that may be, has said, all right, everyone, go to your room and think about what you did. <laughs> you know, like, come out next year. But uh, that's why I said it. it feels like we're all going to have a, a, a Christmas Carol kind of experience this year. Like, all right, you think about your life for the past, even say five years. And like, you know, do you appreciate things more now? Did you did you rally against this really hard and, you know, try to maintain something that was impossible. I don't know. It just seems like a time for reflection. For absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, the higher power. Yes. Where do you think our best <laughs> spot to get a photo of Mickey is? Because I need to get that pic of me and Mickey in his green holiday sweater. Do you want to try to do that at Toontown? Or you want to navigate our way back to Main Street? I have not done the Toontown photo thing forever. And I don't know. Does he change for Christmas there? That's what I'd be worried about. So I'd probably do the Main Street thing. I find the best thing for that is at night, but we can give it a shot right now. Mornings tend to be pretty crazy. That's true. It's true. All right. Well, maybe we'll put that one off because uh, I know that I'm seeing a food cart ahead of me and candy canes behind us. You want to get one of those new Christmas popcorn buckets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Again, this is one of those things. I see it. I like it. And then I get obsessed and need to have it. A few months later, I'm like, why did I want this so bad? Uh, (laughs) And then it goes into a box with all the other plastic things. But this year's white Christmas tree, I think you can get this at downtown, right? You've been there more than I have. I haven't seen this. Um, It's like a white Christmas tree with Mickey and Minnie around the bottom. And they've got candy canes. Really? All I saw was the the one that was a giant, like, Mickey-shaped jingle bell. Mm, There's also a Jack Skellington head one. I saw that one. Uh, but the, this Christmas tree one, I think they just got back in stock because they were gone fast. Oh wow! Uh, initially, so um, I, I, I never, can't help 
I never jump on these and I kind of wish I would have jumped on last year's because last year's I actually saw a woman standing next to me when I was waiting for, I think, the flag ceremony. Mm. I said, do you mind if I look at your popcorn bucket? She's like, oh, yeah, check it out. Because it lit up and it was one of those old, talking about nostalgia, it was one mm-hmm. of those old school like ceramic Christmas trees. Yeah, yeah. That had the With bulbs the at lights. the end of the branches. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I, there was every, every house that I went to when I was a child, there was one of those sitting mm-hmm. on a credenza somewhere. Uh, I love it. I still love it. And like you can put the little, you have to put the little lights in each little hole yeah. when you set it up. It's brilliant. We didn't have it growing up, but we had, I definitely knew people who did and it was one of those things that I wanted. I, I don't think my Christmas aesthetic has changed much since then. <laughs> it's like that kind of old fashioned, kind of 50s Christmas. Not not totally old, but um, that mid-century Christmas I love. You've designed a balloon for the park or balloons with an S for the park. Um, you've also been fortunate enough to do a, uh, a pair of the artist series, Mickey ears. Mm-hmm. Does your wheelhouse of people that you work with in the Disney corporation, does that overlap with the popcorn bucket people? Like, is that anything that could ever be on your horizon? Shanghai. There is a lotso bucket that was based on my character design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did order one. I, there's some people, you know, the shoppers that, that do all the Asian parks. I'm like, well, I have to absolutely have to get that. Um, For sure. So, yeah. So I was thrilled. I, it was that uh, I was thrilled about. And then having my artwork on the daily schedule at, I think it was Shanghai or Hong Kong. I can't remember. But one of those had that where, you know, where they just yeah. give you the, the list of times and everything. Yeah. To have my artwork on that, that was phenomenal too. And again, some very kind people were able to get some of those for me. And those are harder to get because they go away so fast. Right, right. Um, so it was very nice that someone had sent me some of those. But it's those things more so, I think, than anything else that just, uh, it, it makes me tear up. Yeah, I mean, doing art for Disney is is no small feat. And, and mm. saying in our history that we are artists and work for Disney, like it's an unimaginable mm-hmm. like thing to have on your resume, especially if you're still doing art for a living. But <laughs> the thing that you did that I went even further than where I was able to go is actually making things in the park. And, and not necessarily like, you know, sure... I remember seeing um, Eric Tan getting excited that some of his artwork was going to be inside of an attraction on DCA mm-hmm. and how excited he was. But there's something I find the balloon or the popcorn bucket or the, the drink cup, like just those sort of like day-to-day disposable parts of the magic. Like there's just yep. an extra level of it, but it's so much part of the fabric of it that that is such an amazing place to have your career embedded into. Yeah, no, because I, I think it's one of those things you don't grow up necessarily dreaming of doing that thing, you know, uh, especially as artists. I think we do tend to think like galleries or art or, or right. working on the films or something like that. So it, and again, with Disney, too, you just never know where it's going to end up. So in most of these cases, they don't come to me and say, here's what we're going to do. The art just shows up on these things. And then someone says, hey, is this yours? And I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's even more exciting to see that uh, in that way. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's something about the, the casualness of it. And that feels like more part of the fabric of the parks than if it's like, oh, we're um, bringing you on to do this thing that we're going to sell. My uh, my best friends over at DKNG, mm. they got hired to do postage stamp for the U.S. Yeah. government. And I thought, man, out of all the things that you could say in your career that you ever designed, designing a postage stamp for the U.S. government, for the U.S. Postal Service, like, 
What an unbelievable thing to have in your resume of work that you've done, your body of work. And once again, it goes back to what you just said. It's like it's like those little small disposable things that like make society feel familiar. When you get mm-hmm. hired to do those, it's like a whole other level of magic that you opened up. Uh, I'm popping in here to get a Dole Whip. What do you want? I'm, I'm going to do the float. I always do the float because I love pineapple juice. What, what are you going to get? You want to... I'll buy it for you. You want a straight up? I'll or just you want to do float? the straight up. Straight it's up? been so long. I'm just going to take a straight up. Now, are we uh, outside of uh, Tiki Room or are we going into the little hideaway? Uh, I want to go into the hideaway here and, yeah. and get yeah. one of those uh, bosoms. <laughs> what do they call them? <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? Well, here? there was a cartoon where one of them like, was a kid. Bow, 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 bow. Bow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Bosom. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds more Galaxy's Edge, I think. <laughs> oh, dude. If we didn't eat those candy canes first thing, I would have loved a breakfast Ronto wrap. There you go. Yeah. Have you had the breakfast Ronto wrap? I have not. Whew. I have not. It, You know, looking back, the further we get away from last time, the the short, shorter the time it feels like we spent in Galaxy's Edge. Even though we spent a lot of time in Galaxy's Edge, it seems like we had a couple days and now it's over. I know. So I I just can't wait to get back there. I was just watching um, an Adam the Woo video on YouTube this morning, and he and Dylan from Theme Park uh, Theme Park Obsession were just exclusively hanging out in Batu East. And I was mm. looking around, and I'm like, <laughs> "Wow, like we're getting close to have had more time without Batu than we had with it," which yeah. is crazy. Here's a fact that I did for a, a news video over on YouTube. We are now closer to the one-year anniversary of Disneyland being closed than we are to it actually closing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're over 260 days closed. We're now less than 100 days away from the one-year anniversary. That is insane that they thought we're closing the park for two weeks so we could, you know, do some refurbishments and let the flu pass. And here we are. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I just can't... Uh... There's been so much around this with the parks being closed. Like, it's so, like, multifaceted, right? You know, right. The, we're just being sort of fans and, like, oh, it's too bad. But thinking of all these cast members and, you know, the, the layoffs continue to happen and, and just, uh, you know, we'll come back and appreciate it more. But it can't help but be a little bit different, right? Like, things are going to – the pace it feels like it's going to change a little with, sure. with how much things are, are going to be happening and just, you know, as we kind of gradually come back to normal and stuff and, and – I don't know. When do you think things are going to be like full capacity normal? Well, the predictions are because I've been following this all along for doing yeah. the um, the YouTube videos. The prediction is is that 2021 will be a lost year and mm-hmm. 2022 will also be somewhat of a lost year, maybe a traditional year for lucky um, or transitional year, I should say. But the the full first back to kind of normal year is 23. 24 should build from there and the people that loan Disney their money the banks that they work with that also evaluate their stock price they believe that 25 will be the year that Disneyland is actually over 2019 so somewhere around 23 will be normalcy 24 it will start to build but they believe that 25 will be back to when things are booming and they really do believe that the company is going to bounce back very very hard Mm-hmm. Because a lot of stores aren't going to make it through this transition. Right. And as everybody's feeling more and more pinned up, and it's going to take you know some people longer and longer to get back to society, 
Yeah. The park really represents like the, the embodiment of freedom and being able to go out and have an adventure and do things. So they do believe that the parks are going to do very well. And in fact, uh, you might remember like a couple of weeks ago when the vaccine news broke that, mm-hmm. you know, two vaccines, 90% accuracy, way more than what anybody thought. Disney's stock price like jumped up because it was like, hey, they're, they're going to be back sooner than later. So, um, it'll be a while and I think in many ways kind of like flying after 9-11 there's many ways that I think that it'll never feel the same right right yeah things that are just sort of precautions that become sort of the natural way of things like how airports have permanently changed you know even though we're so far from that uh, the the security mm-hmm. is just it's just, just a part of it now. Where right? it is now, and yeah, it's you laugh, you laugh like when you watch Mad Men and they're smoking cigarettes on an airplane. Mm-hmm. You now laugh like, remember when you could like walk up to the gate when your mom was getting off the plane, or remember when yeah. you were taking your girlfriend <laughs> to the airport, you could like sit there with her. Now you're like, sorry, honey, I got to keep driving. Like it's just changed so right. much. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what what uh, effects we see from this uh, in the coming. And then you know what, what's funny too is start, starting to think about well, what if this happens yeah. again? You know, and, and how is it more common now that this will happen again, or will it be another hundred years like the, the previous sort of global pandemic? And and I don't know like if there's anything you can do to sort of plan around that. But to have this happen in our lifetime, to see Disneyland close for as long as it has, uh, you know, aside from all these other awful things that we've seen happen. It's weird to sort of be in the middle of this sort of history, like an unpleasant history, but to know that people will ask and we will tell weird stories about this time and be like, oh no, everything closed and, and, and try to explain what the what the feeling was like. Yeah, that will be, uh, that'll be interesting. And I think about it, like why couldn't I have been born in 1935? So I was 20 when Disneyland opened. And then uh, I was 80 yeah. <laughs> when I, I died, you know, when the park turned 60. Like, just lived to see the Diamond Celebration. Like, out of all of the years that it had to be closed, it had to do it post-2011 when I fall in love with the park and, and live 13 <laughs> miles from it. It, it is, uh, I'm going to have to say this has affected me more than anyone else. To your question, though, I think that we are such a global society now. And I think that the human species is moving so fast through travel, mm. through through um, uh, science. I mean, I was listening. I was brushing my teeth this morning, listening to the news on my little device where I say, hey, device, play the news for me. So my robot's reading me the news and they're like, China is now trying to control the weather. And they've designated a land of uh, an area of land the size of Indonesia that they're going to experiment controlling the weather because they want to give farmers beneficial weather. And they also want to be able to control the weather for like when they have the Olympics, right? Like they want to control the weather. Mm -hmm. I was literally brushing my teeth and out loud. I just go, yeah, that couldn't be bad. What what could go wrong? You know, like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Real life dinosaurs. How about real life dinosaurs? Nature always finds its way. I believe that COVID-19, we should all be prepared that this is just a thing that happens because we are Mm. too fast. We're everywhere. There's too much going on. We are one community now. Um, And so I kind of think that this is the beginning of a new normalcy. And I also think that people will really look at how America dropped the ball and readjust. And, you know, corporations like Disney have really learned a lot about what they're doing with people and how they design Mm -hmm. things. So, um, it's going to be very interesting. I think the the effects of this will be everlasting. Um, Jolly Holiday, what do you want to get here? I think I'm looking 
Um, let's take a look here. There's always something at Jolly Holiday. Can't go wrong. Uh, the uh, Matterhorn Macaroon yeah. is what I'm here for, but they always have Christmassy, know, seasonal things this time of year. Gingerbread kind of stuff. Anything like, like your coffee never tastes better because you're eating this ridiculously sweet thing. Uh, it's perfect, and it's and it's great at night when it's a little less crowded and it's cold outside. It's the perfect place. So uh, that's great. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pass on the macaroon because I'm not a macaroon <laughs> guy, but I do like the cinnamon bun they have here. Mm-hmm. Now it's not yeah, the same as the cinnamon in my neighborhood um, at Sweet Jills. Anybody who's ever in uh, one of the towns in Southern California, you see a Sweet Jills. Don't walk, run there and get a cinnamon roll. And when the uh, person working at the counter says, "Do you want icing on that?" Be like, "Yeah," and then just stare them down while they pour it. <laughs> one time I got a hate pour. Like I told her, "Like I want a lot," and she just stared at me and just poured and poured. And I didn't Angry. tell her to stop. And it was overflowing everywhere. And oh, it was so worth it, Mike. Are they uh, doing oh, okay? They are, are they surviving? Rushing it. You know who's got a sweet tooth right now? Everybody who's stuck at home. Mm. And in fact, they will pour <laughs> so much icing on your Cinnabon that when you're done, it looks like Han Solo at the end of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> nice. Weird. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Okay, so why don't you like macaroons it's before just we not, move on? Coconut no, I in general love or coconut. Texture it's just not my thing. thing. It's just, I don't know, it's too boot but it's so cute i know but i'm a simple man of simple pleasures it's a little bit too bougie for me (laughs) wow wow okay very good okay Well, while we're standing here under these beautiful yellow and white striped canopies i'm thinking let's not move too fast let's take our time maybe get a couple other snacks because if we sit here long enough we're going to be able to catch the first showing of the christmas fantasy parade Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Christmas in Disneyland. Yes, it's the shortest loop of music you hear about a thousand times dun, within dun, twenty minutes, dun, dun, and I can't get enough. <laughs> it's a special season of the year. It, it's amazing. I've heard it one thousand times, still don't know all the words. Sing 
Exactly. I think we got stuck sitting somewhere like for lunch or something and like that thing just plays over and over again. And it's literally like a five minute song or something like that. It feels like it. I'm sure it's longer than that. I can give you my highlights from this parade. I know one of them is going to be the back of the gingerbread kids, but please. (laughs) (laughs) The gingerbread people with their flat backs that are burnt is so genius. Such clever design that I'll ignore how uh, annoying the bakers are that surround them. Um, I love the ladies dressed as snowflakes mm-hmm. on the, the, the skates because it yeah. just looks so like black and white 1950s Christmas yes. special. Yeah. Love that so much. It's uh, I like the characters. We only see these characters uh, this time of year. Uh, yeah. I do like the gingerbread people. I particularly like the reindeer faces. They kind of look like Bambi. Um, they all have but, a little attitude and they're vertical, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> With their little bent paws and their bangs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cute. Um, yeah. So this is one of my one of my favorite. And, the, and then anytime they bring out those uh, toy soldiers. Oh, the know, babes I in Toyland soldiers are so love awesome. So Absolutely awesome. love the design. So this parade feels very like 1950s Disneyland to me. And it's it's obviously not. It's changed quite a bit over the years. Um, but it still has that kind of kitschy Christmas feeling uh, that's very specifically Disney. Uh, and I'm surprised it hasn't changed more than it has. I mean, they've added like, you know, frozen characters and things like yeah. that. Yeah. But that's to be expected. But the overall basics are still there. Just like those people that you don't like, the gingerbread cooks, the mm-hmm. bakers. Mm-hmm. Um, very old fashioned. Right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> but still such a, such a great part of it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just love this parade. It's an interesting parade in that the the pieces of it that mean the most to me aren't really like IP characters, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, the, the snowmen are okay. And yeah. They could, they could lay off the snowballs. But the reindeer, the, the babes in Toyland soldiers, uh, the gingerbread folks, like just really, really awesome Disney holiday characters. I uh, love the, the ladies dressed as snowflakes on the roller skates. Um, not a big fan of the skier guys just because mm. you know, they feel like the guys would bully me in high school because they get to go <laughs> to the chalet and ski, you know, just like that kind of thing. I don't think you'd have ever been bullied by Disney boy dancers. Just, <laughs> it's a hunch. It's a hunch. <laughs> but it, 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 um, it, it seems like the most innocent of parades. Yeah. Because it's not paint the night where it's like, stacked with all the, the, the hits from the movies and the characters mm-hmm. and it's it's not sensational where it's like we gotta put every princess on one you know one flow. Yeah. Um it's very very Christmas and, and almost kind of innocent and like you said it feels outdated in the best way possible. Like almost outdated in the way we're like, well whatever you do, don't touch it because it's a classic. Mm-hmm. It is the one parade that I will sit through. I, I'm not big on the parades, and I you tend to catch them no matter what because yeah. you get stuck waiting for something. So I, that's usually when I tend to to watch a parade. But uh, this one I, I do I do love. Uh, it's kind of like the small world of parades. <laughs> <laughs> I get that yeah. analogy though. Yeah, I yeah, really do. So I do love it. I do love it. So the newest characters on that parade is 
buzz. No, no, there is. Is there? A, those are frozen float, right? But they used to do it separately. Remember, they would do sort of a. I think I don't know if it ran just before the parade or just. Oh after right, the I remember that. They would year. do that frozen cavalcade or something like that, and then I think it just became part of the Christmas parade. Do you remember when Anna and Elsa had their little pop-up meet and greet um, just left of exiting Pinocchio in that little shop there? And yes. it it wrecked the park. I mean, it was harder than getting boarding passes uh, for Candy Cane uh, Resistance. It was like so insane. And I just remember that, you know, there was every day moms yes. fighting Disney. Like, I brought my daughters here to meet Anna and Elsa. Like, that was such a craze. It's It was exciting. I love to see when people are that passionate about the characters, um, especially meet and greets. But it did get kind of crazy. And it was sort of a... It was a cute spot, but a bad spot, right? So I think what's so congested, kind of, and they bumped them over to DCA at the same time. I think there were, I think they were both going at the same time. I don't know if the the schedule was just off, you know, um, but they had the big uh, sing along or something over in the show building in Hollywoodland, and uh, they did the sing along in the original Muppets Theater, right? And then, or, do you remember in Studio Seventeen, which is right. now the Backlot Premiere Shop? They had they built Arendelle in there, and they had yeah. the saddest. I mean, in California, it's rad, but for somebody who lived on the East Coast, they had like a like a five foot tall hill of snow that you could ride yeah. a little sled down. And they were like <laughs> so strict with all the rules because they didn't want anybody to hurt each other. And I remember yes. Beth and I went walked in there late on a Sunday night, and she was just like, "Aw, California kids have no idea what snow really is." <laughs> That's right. They wouldn't survive if they did. Oh no! So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was quite a bit of frozen. It was it was frozen craziness for for quite a while there. But I do remember that it was it was downright controversial the amount mm-hmm. of upset people there were about it. like waiting in line and then they I think they started handing out like like they'd have to cut it off at a certain point or something and I, I don't remember. But it was I remember it being extremely crazy for that little tiny corner. Not as bad as. Um, you know, for for they did tangled there as well, and mm. then not a problem. But that was a little cuter, and and so it was manageable. And uh, I thought that was a, a great spot for it. But for Frozen, it just got carried away. Have you seen the Frozen stage show over in the Hyperion Theater? Yes, a few times, twice. It's uh, quite a production. I went yeah. in there once, uh, summertime to catch the AC. I I do not like Broadway. Uh, it's not for me, and I was like blown away at the production i still have no idea how her dress changes colors like literally mm. cannot figure it out i mean hey you ever heard of pepper's ghost i don't, I don't know if it's pepper's <laughs> ghost but i don't think it is and i i always remember that when that show first opened up yeah um, disney pushing the diversity button pretty far they cast a, a, a black woman to play i believe elsa and there was a long line of moms who were just like, oh, hey, that's not what she looks like in the movie. And I thought that was really, really bold casting on your part. Yeah, I, and I think it's something that they're actually doing on Broadway a lot more, too, with, mm-hmm. with these roles. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, it's not the meet and greet. No. So I think, you know, there's some leeway there. Uh, I guess I could see the disappointment, but it'd be a funny thing to complain about. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. The person that is so irate about that, that actually has the nerve to go to City Hall and to say that out loud. It's like, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, there's no button for that one. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's a good show. <laughs> yeah. I was racist at Disneyland today. There you go. <laughs> 
Um, the, I did see the Broadway, the travel, the touring Broadway production of Frozen as well in, in L.A. And I, had, they're pretty similar, actually. I think they borrow a lot from each other. I think that you know the the Broadway ones obviously got some new songs and it's a little more robust. But you know everyone's in that Hyperion one for just for Let It Go. The rest of the time, kids are screaming and up and down and running around, and uh, everyone quiets down for Let It Go, and then it's right back to chit chat i can't believe what a beautiful theater that is like mm-hmm. it is really a state-of-the-art like performance hall that they have just inside of an amusement park um talking about the elsa casting question for you when splash mountain gets its redo yeah how long does the beat of the drum go that they shouldn't change it because i know that there is i've had to literally ban some people off of my youtube channel yeah. Because their rhetoric of why Splash Mountain shouldn't close, it's just, it's straight up racist. And it's like, I've warned them, I'm like, hey man, you're kind of spamming my channel and I believe in free speech, but I can only let it go so far. And a couple of people I've actually had to ban and block from my channel because every single video, they go on there posting these outrageous thoughts about how Splash Mountain retheming and just like really, really crazy stuff. And I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, it's the worst thing ever until the next attraction comes and then it kind of passes. Or do you think that that'll be something that stays around for a while? I mean, I think there, you know, nowadays, especially with the internet and everyone has a say and a voice and and it lingers a little bit. I think there will always be a faction that will say, well, it was better when it was this thing. Sure. Um, But I think ultimately uh, people are going to like this new ride because it's a new ride and it's a big new ride. It's not going to just be a a tiny little dark ride or something like that. And I I think eventually it's just going to become like most things at Disneyland. It just becomes a fabric, the fabric of the park and you don't really think about it and I, I think once this thing opens everyone's going to be very rah-rah uh, pro uh, pro the ride not necessarily the change but they'll just be so excited about the ride especially with younger people now that have this great affection for this film which I don't have I like the film but I, I didn't grow up with this film yeah, or, or yeah. have any association with it but a lot of kids do which I'm surprised to find out um, so I think that's going to take over quickly and that'll be the louder voice but there will always be comic book store guy people sure. that it was better when it was this or you know i think um, that it'll be a lot like there were people that were furious about tower of terror becoming guardians of the galaxy right, Mission breakout right. you don't really hear that many complain about that anymore because guardians was such a significant not only like a visual like the ride itself has a lot more visuals to it but they really took the chassis of that attraction and maxed out. Like there's so much more speed, so mm-hmm. many more drops. Like it, if you just liked it as a thrill ride before, you have got to love what it's like now. Um, I still, when I'm walking up runway 30 and I can see uh, the Carthay Circle with the Guardians yeah. behind it, I do miss how much the old building sort of paired with that yeah. old Hollywood vibe. But other than that, no complaints. It's just, it's very interesting that the splash transformation just in 2020 became as political and as crazy as everything else. And I really hope that the attraction is phenomenal. It blows everybody away. And then that's just like a weird bump in the road. And we can just laugh at people that used to talk that way. You know, uh, sort of on topic here. Do you feel that that's the centerpiece of the park? I mean, it, it isn't sort of emotionally i don't think what's that but it's the, the the tower of terror mm. building i mean the the guardians building it's the tallest point i would imagine right? other than the the peak i guess the peak is higher 
the Grizzly Peak, which isn't really, in, you know, it's not a contender. Yeah, but, Grizzly Peak, when you look at all the original branding, they really yeah. thought that they had outdone themselves and that was going <laughs> to be the centerpiece of the park and nobody cares. Right. I mean, the Fun Wheel, which is behind you there, uh, to me is the iconic part of the thing, but the... yeah. You know the the it takes up such valuable skyline real estate that <laughs> that thing because uh, it even dwarfs the Carthay. You know, makes the Carthay look small. It so, does. I I feel like Carthay is ten to twenty feet away from being perfect. Like mm. it's just a little looks a little bit too much like a miniature, right? And mm-hmm. I just feel like if anything else, the the main spire there that tower should just be a little bit more but i get that it's not long to the left and right it's actually quite a squatty little like showpiece Mm -hmm. if you really look at it um but yeah the juxtaposition between that and the tower is a little bit off but i have to say in defense of disney imagineering when you now see a finished um Avengers Campus. Now, granted, yes. I haven't seen it with the walls down, but I have seen it wall up. And right. I was lucky that on my second trip, when uh, Philander and I went there, they had it with the um, show lighting all turned on. And it really paired well with Guardians then. So that yes. view, it matches. It's all from the same world. But when you make something that big, you no longer have the luxury of hiding everything. Like Everything over in Disneyland is pretty much hidden at all times like each land lives independently from each other somehow when they design dca it's a lot of work right right well i think like we said it's that reverse engineering now because i would sorry i thought like it's too bad they couldn't somehow mask that (laughs) from that view you know it's a lot of trees yeah so you didn't see it so prominently behind there but um yeah i I am now i'm worried about hollywood land and feel like those days are, are numbered just because of what you said how that Avengers campus in that area is going to be pretty strong, I think, and it, it seems like inevitable that it bleeds just all the way down that Hollywood Street, whether that just becomes sort of a New York area or something, you know, or Marvel yeah. Town kind yeah. of thing. Uh, but I feel like, you know, it, it, with each new attraction going in that corner, Monsters has no place being no. over there, you know? No. Like, so, like, yeah, something's got to happen there, I think. It's a, it's a lot of real estate that they have. Mm-hmm. in that corner of the park that's really being underused. But I will say this, even though it was one of those things where we're kind of like, man, it's okay. Stepping back on it in 2020, when you yeah. didn't think you'd get a chance to be on there, it is straight up magic walking through Hollywood land these days. And then you yeah. know, I keep thinking to myself, I'm like Hollywood land and uh grizzly peak, you know, arguably kind of two of the weaker lands at the Disneyland resort. Man, they feel like two slices of heaven right now. Oh, I bet. I bet. I know. I, I just see people's pictures of it. I'm like, oh, I'm all nostalgic for 2019 already. So, yeah, yeah. just being like Grizzly uh, Peak, they have seating everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now you can go, I believe, past uh, Soren. They gave up a lot more than what I thought. And uh, this past week when I went there, I got a burger and onion rings from Smoke Jumpers. Went to the very last table, sitting at a table by myself, eating my burger, my onion rings with Christmas music playing around me. And where I was sitting, it's like I couldn't see any guests because I had my back to the park. Yeah. I'm just looking at that the plane there and the, 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 the billboard and all the pine trees around me and stuff. It's like, man, oh, man, it feels so good to be back in here. Are the hotel restaurants open again? No. They- okay. No, okay. The, the hotels are still a no-fly zone. 
Okay, so you yeah. can walk how far down that way then? Just past Orin? Just turn to the end of... So currently, the last time I was there, I think that it's gone a little bit further, but they had a rope that went from the edge of the Soren building over to those restrooms. Okay, uh, okay. That are right past Humphrey. So that's the border there. And then uh, when I was there on Tuesday, I think this might have gone another 100 foot. Somebody told me that they were experimenting um, over on social media. But last time I was there, the rope on Hollywood Boulevard stopped at the corner of um, Off the Page. Mm-hmm. And then runs the rope runs over to the corner of the Mickey Philhar Magic oh, okay. building there, uh, but they do have the red car trolley parked in front of the animation studio, which just makes a beautiful, beautiful backdrop. And then if you were to go up Buena Vista and go around the fountain and then go into Performance Corridor, mm-hmm. the rope is right at the edge of you know that little DVC kiosk. That's yeah. behind yeah. Um, that the blue sky, mm-hmm. uh, whatever cellar. Cellar, yeah. yeah. They have a rope that starts there, and then it goes over to the edge of the Stark Industry walls that are wrapped around. Uh, so okay. you can see at night, you can see the cars land sign. They have it all illuminated, and during the day, you can look all the way down the performance corridor and actually see. Uh, Paradise or Pixar Pier, you know, it's not show lights and the, the mm-hmm. fun wheel's not moving, but you can just like see it down there and the sunlight. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see. Ultimately, I believe that by the time this podcast comes out, probably it'll all be closed again or days from being closed. Mm. Uh, but when it does reopen, um, it'll be interesting to see how much little bit more they, they give you. Because when you look at all those arteries, all those arteries are really, really close to just a little bit more, a little bit more shopping, a little bit more dining. Mm. Yeah, it almost makes me, it just, it's the mix of joy that people are back in the park, and, but then sort of hearing about it and seeing it in this limited way also kind of makes me sad. <laughs> that sadness that you're talking about has made me realize that this is DCA's moment. Yeah. DCA is a locals park. Um, I think local people really sort of appreciate it and celebrate it more. I know that a lot of people, their passes won't let them into Disneyland, but they could always get over to DCA. So it feels like a friend that's always there for you. I feel like that the pandemic is DCA's time to shine. I feel like it's it's time to do all the heavy lifting because it's got wider walkways. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of ready right now to start creating its own history. Mm-hmm. And opposite of that. I don't think that they should even consider opening Disneyland until its attractions are rolling, restaurants are open, you can sit inside. You're like The memories I'm having now for DCA are giving DCA a history, but I yeah. don't think Disneyland, the most purest part of the entire Disney Parks division, I don't think that it should be tainted with these memories. Right. Protect that experience, but uh, d- grow this affection for DCA, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if at some point DCA becomes like Knott's Berry Farms, where it's just literally an an open shopping and food festival, I think that I'm really here for it because it has nice vibes. I just think that it would be heartbreaking to be inside a shuttered Disneyland. Oh, for sure. And that's why I am a little worried about coming back sort of... uh, you know, because there will be some kind of limited thing for Disneyland at some point, right? It won't be, like, wide open, I think. And, and that will be kind of sad because it is such a tight little park. Yeah. Um, it, it's not wide open like DCA. So 
to see that controlled would be sad. <laughs> Luckily for us, though, it's open in our imaginations, and I think That's we should right. head over to the Plaza Inn now and have. Uh, if I'm going to Plaza Inn, oh man, let me think about this. Typically, what I do, Jared, is I get the Cobb salad. Oh, very good. And then I, well, you know, that way I can be like Beth, like, what did you and Jared eat at the park? I'm like, I had a salad, thank you very much. But I won't tell her about the beignets and the ice yeah. cream and all the other stuff. Um, traditionally, I would get the Cobb salad, and then I take three steps over and I get one chicken breast from the fried chicken line that I put on top of it. But since I haven't had Plaza Inn in quite some time, I think I'm going to skip that salad. I want to go straight up the three pieces of chicken mashed potatoes, green beans, and then when they go gravy, I'm going to go like, yes, on everything. Yes, absolutely. Full cardiac arrest for this one. It's Oof. the holidays. Yeah. Um, I miss it for some reason. I saw a picture, you know, and thinking about it, and it was like, oh my gosh. I, I feel like eating that. So it's not my favorite thing to even eat at the park, but right now it just feels so Disneyland. Were you I'm there just, the night? It. Were you there the night that I got our mutual club friend to have dinner at Plaza Inn? No, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this is so great. I'm like, yeah, you should go to Disneyland sometime. <laughs> that, was that really his first time? Oh, he was eating, eating that chicken. Like, oh, this is phenomenal. This is so good. And I was just, just literally like, you should go to Disneyland sometime. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is a guy that literally would go there three or four times a week. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you get spoiled, right? You get spoiled going up those, uh, going up those stairs. That chicken dinner always eat it out on the patio because it's way too loud inside that restaurant mm-hmm. yeah. yeah eat it out on the patio do you know the master of one podcast guys yes of course i do yes i had uh i gave them the bricky uh flannel vest tour yeah and um we were eating in there and the the gentleman pat you know pat who's like the just the giant man of the bunch like just a huge <laughs> tall guy yes yes total sweetheart we're eating chicken in the plaza inn and he just looks over the windows and goes what amazing hold on let me get this right what amazing window treatments they have <laughs> and we're all eating and just kind of like hurt him like oh that's pretty pat and then he goes i mean those are beautiful window treatments and then he like pauses and he goes there's like three or four different layers around those. And we're like, <laughs> what is the matter with you? And I just love when you see people find their detail in the park. Maybe it's window treatments at the Plaza Inn, but I was I was blown away by that moment. That's great. I mean, see, that's the people you want to eat there with, right? Someone that would absolutely notice that and enjoy that, right? Because I'm sure most people don't, but... I, I do love that. And then I always get a dessert, too. There's always some kind of interesting dessert there, too. They've gotten more seasonal with their things as well. So there's always like a red velvet something there. Oh, dude, right now I could go for a slice of cake so yeah. bad. <laughs> do you ever watch Sugar Rush over on Netflix? No, Great British Bake Off I watch okay. all the time. So we burned through all of our Sugar Rushes. And yeah. then we're like, now it's time we got to go back to the Great British Bake Off. And let yeah. me tell you. You want to talk about a tale of two countries. The American one is four teams competing. First round is you got to make a cupcake. And then the cupcake that doesn't do well, they just turn your light off. It's like, Mark and Jared, <laughs> you're eliminated. And our light goes off. <laughs> round two, you got to do a confection. And then somebody falls off from round two. And then round three is just two people making a cake. And Jared, Are these I've w- crazy cakes? Like, it's a building and it's a... Yes. Yeah. Yes. And okay. whatever. So... 
you start off with three hours. You do your cupcake and you hit your buzzer. And then you do your confection and you hit your buzzer. Whatever time you bank gets added to three hours for your cake. Ah, nice. So they make these cakes in a minimum of three hours, maybe three hours, 45, maybe four hours. Mm -hmm. And it is such good TV. But the only problem is, is now every night after Beth and I eat dinner, I'm like, what is our confection going to be? Because I'll be honest with you. I just learned what the word confection means this fall. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It makes me like, I just watched British Bake Off. I haven't watched this, but it's a similar, I mean, you know, it makes me want to eat cake. It's specifically cake. Cake. Like, I don't want a lot of the weird other stuff, but uh, cake, for some reason, uh, I really want cake all the time now watching oh. that show. Oh, I. so if I could grant you a dream slice of cake right now, what do you want? Oh, so uh, yellow cake is my favorite cake. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> like a box yellow cake even is just fine. Like my mom used to make his homemade cakes and we're like, uh, we just really want the box yellow cake. Thanks. Uh, so that tends to be my go-to because I'm more of a vanilla person than mm-hmm. chocolate, mm-hmm. like hardcore chocolate. So I like the contrast. I like a good yellow cake with a chocolate frosting. Yeah, that's a nice um, one. Or even like the pink, that was my birthday cake, pink frosting. Yellow cake with pink frosting. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, Go figure. I love a white cake Okay. with white icing on it. Wedding cake, yeah. Yes, and I would love to get a corner piece if possible. And if you don't mind, I'll take a rose on top if I can get it. Wow, really? Okay, so you like the, what do you like about the corner? A little dryness around the Well, the, the corner, I really, like, when I eat cake, I'm like a surgeon, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, like, I look at it, I study it. Ratios. I work my, yes, yeah. work my way up to the icing bites. Uh, but I love white cake with a, like a wedding cake. But wedding yeah. cakes can sometimes get too bougie. So think mm. of like a birthday cake from, you know, Ralph's, you know, right. Kroger's, like a Wegmans. Like I love a good sheet cake with white icing on it. And my family knows how much I love cake that when I'm back home in New York with my wife's family, um, they always cut the slice for whoever's birthday it is. And then they go, where's Mark at? And I always get the second slice of cake. Well, I think there is something about it being sort of a celebratory thing, right? Because you could eat cookies a lot. And- yeah. You know, but having that cake, it's just not, I don't make cakes for myself and store-bought isn't as great uh, as, as sort of the bakery cakes. Mm. Um, so it still remains kind of a treat thing. Um, but yeah, white cake, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anyone specifically go about white cake. <laughs> that's their favorite cake. That's why I want Splash Mountain to reopen. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. There you go. And I did pick yellow cake. So we're, we're consistent. <laughs> we're consistent. <laughs> okay. Fireworks are getting ready to start soon. And man, all we've right. been here for a long time. See, this is all the conversations you have when you reconnect with your bud at Disneyland. We haven't left the, uh, we haven't left Main Street or sort of the hub yet. <laughs> Makes it easier to edit. We've been on this, we've been on this uh, hub for quite some time. Now, I'm going to have to tell you that I think that the Christmas Fantasy Parade Mm. should be preserved. I love it. But I'm going to tell you right now that I think that the Christmas fireworks show needs a redo. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When's the last time you saw it? When's the last time you saw it? I think we watched it last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm me, you, remember. and an Australian. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. We did. And I think I saw it with uh, um, our club friends because yes. they get such great seats and were able to see it in a Ooh. very nice... Those, comfy, cozy way. Those you know, you're white like, <laughs> folding chairs. 
<laughs> They're a little bit wet. Can we get someone over here to wipe it down for us, please? Thank you. So I watched it same time. I we watched it seated, seated in front of the castle on Christmas Eve's Eve, right? And right. you and I watched it over on the Rivers of America. And I have to say, it's just lacking that Disney emotion. The most emotional part about uh, Sleeping Beauty's castle during the holidays is that opening. Do you mm-hmm. think it'll snow? Well, I think anything's possible if you believe in imagination. Like, that thing gets me Christmas weeping. But the actual fireworks show, it doesn't have that emotional punch, which you think Disney would be like, come on. Holidays? Christmas time? We're just going to chip this one right out of the park because we make people cry for a living. And it's just kind of sterile. You know, I think... I would agree. I'd agree. I think for me, the big emotional punch is actually the snow at the end. And they play that White Christmas, that very slow version of White Christmas. And everyone gets very excited about that terrible snow. But it feels exciting because everyone's kind of together in that moment. I think there is so much um, magic happening in the park at Christmas that the fireworks show, which is normally pretty emotional, feels a little less. Because you can go over to that small world thing and watch that video projection. And that's got more of an emotional oh, punch, I think, oh. than, than the whole fireworks show, too. I love but I that. I think it might just be in contrast to everything else that's happening in the park. Uh, Fair point. The Fair point. Year. I yeah. just feel like now that the castle is a movie screen and you have all of Main Street, I just... Let me let me dip in the catalog. Let me pull some okay. characters out and some moments out. And I feel like I could make a Christmas that would just cut your heart in half. Uh, but you do bring up a good point as we work our way in between the Matterhorn and Sleeping Beauty here. The light show that happens every 15 minutes on the front facade of Small World. Oh, now that I love. Mm-hmm. When you hear Fantastic. that clock. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good.
I remember we did that last year too, and it felt like we were waiting. Was that for Australian as well? We were waiting for it, and we kept thinking, "Oh, well, maybe they're not doing it, or it's not yeah. happening, or something." And yeah. it took a long time for it to to pop up, but it did eventually. Yeah, sometimes it's the longest fifteen minutes, and then sometimes you're just like hanging out in that zone. You're like, "Again already? Come yeah. on, come on!" <laughs> no, it makes an already magical facade even more exciting. I think. I, I tell you what I enjoy about the small world area though during the the holidays Mm. is i love the different christmas wreaths on the light fixtures that work your way up to small world Mm -hmm. um they're so like bizarrely like 60s like white white christmas wreath with like all these ornaments in it then they have you know like a nutcracker or a teddy bear like a various character that's harnessed inside of it and they just look so like wild i love those a lot yeah, it's the. Um, I think it's the only place in the park where the aesthetic really changes, right, from the rest of the park's Christmas decorations, and appropriately so. Like mm-hmm. the color scheme really matches what's happening over there. But um, yeah, I was even considering getting a white tree. <laughs> I did this year. Did you? Did you get? What did you get? What did you get? So Beth and I got. It's actually a champagne colored mm-hmm. tree um, from CB2. It comes in three parts already has white lights like attached to it okay now here's the thing i'll be honest with you folks we've been a real christmas tree couple our entire relationship she's been a real christmas tree gal her whole life this is her first fake tree ever cut it down or go to a lot oh come on man look a guy like me i go to a lot um (laughs) so out here a real christmas tree and we need one that's about eight foot to look right in our living room yeah it's almost $200. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. expensive. So this year, we don't have any flights. Not going home for the holidays. So I said, Beth, let's take our travel. Because we normally go to New York City. Right. Hit all the stores, Rockefeller Center. Like We do the whole you know, carriage ride. We do the whole nine in the, the epicenter of American Christmas. This year, that's not happening. That money is just floating around. So I said, let's invest in Christmas decorations. So we bought an artificial tree, which means next year, no two hundy. I don't have to spend right. two hundy next year. This year, I spend more, but next year I don't. So we got this champagne tree, Jared. So it looks kind of silver. It looks white, but not like bright, bright white. Yeah, right, right. And we did something fun with the ornaments. We, you know, you can't go out and do anything right now. Shopping's like the only entertainment that exists. Yep. So we'd shop online, we'd find things, we'd order ahead, we'd go to the mall and pick it up. We have in our living room a complete white Christmas tree from star to base. Nice. Everything, every ornament, every light, every garland, white, 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 white. Interesting. Yeah, see, that's an adult Christmas tree, isn't it? Like, and I love it. Like, it's that's bougie. why I want to get a white one. Yeah, like I want a white one and like maybe just two colors, you know, like pink or something. Or, or trying to keep that sort of. Um, limited palette <laughs> Christmas tree. My only uh, two totally Disney... artificial, but I love oh it. yeah. My only two Disney ornaments on the tree is I have uh, a nice size ornament that's just Jack Skellington's head, mm-hmm. and then I also have uh, the front facade of It's a Small World. See, that's what's great though is it, it's going to focus your Christmas ornament collecting. Mm-hmm. Right? It's mm-hmm. got to be white, or mm-hmm. it's, you know something similar to that, or 
Yeah, see, I'd, I'd love to do that because then it makes it easier to, uh, you know, you're excited when you find an ornament like, ah, oh, this will work on the tree as opposed to just getting every single ornament. Like I already have boxes and boxes. Of oh, we do They too. don't even all go up every year, right? You just kind of pick through what you want to put up each I have year. so many ornaments of so many different colors that it looks like a rainbow got drunk and threw up in a box. Yeah, yeah it, uh, like a kid. Yeah, and having the solid white tree has been really nice. And CB2 had these a collection of various white ornaments and they looked just unpainted or unfinished almost like ceramics before you put anything on them yeah yeah, they have a really nice like sort of natural vibe to them so it looks super designer and when i went to downtown disney do you remember last year they did the neon christmas trees Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i was of the very very few people that thought that they were awesome i did too yeah i loved them i thought they were really really cool simplistic and cool well, this year they know people need Christmas more than ever. Um, and so they did Christmas trees and all the planners. But each Christmas tree is monochromatic. Mm, nice. And one, there's two trees that really blew me away. One tree is all green. And you mm. would think a green tree with all green ornaments wouldn't be that special. And it's actually really, really beautiful. But then my favorite tree, they took a really tall tree. It's probably about 10, 12 feet. And every two feet around it is a band of ornaments. So it's like two feet of white ornaments, two feet mm. of red ornaments. So the Christmas tree itself is themed in like candy cane striping. Nice. I don't know how somebody did that. Like I was walking around like that. That's a serious Christmas tree job. It looks beautiful. Yeah. See, I am i don't know if it's just getting older and stuff like that, that I, I like that concept better than just putting every freaking ornament you've got yes. on the tree there there's certainly a space for that as well and then maybe i'll get to the point where i have multiple trees <laughs> you know one that faces out the window and then one that's by the tv or something like that my thing is i really like to be able to, to see this stuff in the house you know yes. like i don't want it tucked away or in a room that you don't go in or you know, even lights on the front are nice but uh, you don't get to enjoy that as much so I like to keep everything inside. I really didn't do much this year, but I hope, I hope to next year uh, be like better prepared for it. I just wasn't kind of ready for it this year. So something I learned from Disney uh, was this year. You know, how we have that lawn on the side of the house. Yeah, yeah, big. And I have trees that align our deck, which have sort of made like a wall. So when we're on our deck having breakfast or dinner, nobody can really see us. So I wanted to do something with those trees. And I went and I bought three of those spotlights that projects lights. Now, I'm not lazy because yeah. I have, I only hang on my home the old school multicolored big bulbs, not yeah. LEDs, yeah. real lights that'll burn your hand off. So I have the big, big old school multicolored bulbs going around the whole edge of the patio. We have little candy canes going around the planter that separates the bottom of the deck from the yard. So we got candy mm-hmm. canes going around the bottom with big candy canes flanking each side of it the old school plastic kind not blow-ups yeah. but i wanted to do something with these trees so i got three projectors that only project white and it's like a snowfall mm. and it's hitting all three of the trees as if they're covered in snow so nice. just like this dithering effect of like snow going on the trees which is nice us being from the east coast that's something we're used to yeah but the problem was is then we had just three like eyesore lights out on the lawn we don't have bushes or anything to hide them behind they're just like three lights that are so bright that you don't really look at the snow so my workaround was is i went to lowe's 
I went to, to Walmart for the first time in years. Um, <laughs> and what I found was is three big Christmas lanterns. Mm. And I took those lanterns, drilled a hole in the bottom of them, ran a bolt through the middle, mounted my spotlights inside of them. So now I have three Christmas lanterns out in the yard. Nice. And any nice. of the side lighting shines out the pattern of like a snowflake and a bear and a mountain and stuff, like a real like Grand Californian type vibe. But yeah. I removed the door on all three of them. So shooting out of them is the Christmas snowfall light. So you have these three lanterns and you have all the snow in the tree and it, and it, it fixed itself. And people are like, nice. Where did you get that idea from? I'm like, do you think I went to Disneyland 500 times and didn't <laughs> learn anything about design and decoration? <laughs> Next thing you're gonna have something that like comes out of the ground and raises up for just for the nighttime show, and then goes back down. That's oh. amazing though. That's that's great. Like that's the fun stuff to kind of figure out. If you uh, don't think, I because you know everything goes off on a timer. Yeah. If you don't think I did anything about putting a recording device out there, <laughs> that, that would go off before the lights would be like. In the spirit of the holidays, we'd like for everyone to wish a merry Christmas as we light up Main Street. Like I thought about putting that recording out there. The Bricky House will remain open for an additional hour for your, <laughs> for shopping, your shopping convenience. convenience. <laughs> uh, I love the message in Batu where it's like the off-planet vendors will remain open for an additional hour. I'm like, yeah, all the details. Got to get the details in there. Got to stay on theme, but you got to get those shoppers going. Well, Jared, um, this was a great conversation we had while we were going through Small World. Uh, you know my favorite room in Small World. I call it the Mark Bricky story where there's the little country bumpkin boy in Kentucky. And mm. then seconds later, your boat is going under the Hollywood Hills. They That's really right. did a good job of putting the little, the country people next to Hollywood. It is the Mark Bricky story, but I'd like to ask you out of all the different vignettes in small world, what's your favorite one during the Christmas season? During the Christmas season, uh, the, probably the, the finale room, which, you know, boring, I know. Uh, were, was it you that said all the children have died and gone to heaven in that last room? I think that was you were the author of that thought. <laughs> someone told me that. I never thought that, but someone had mentioned that to me. Maybe I passed it off as my own. Uh, but at Christmas time, I particularly like the room. They really go overboard. I absolutely love that whole ride at Christmas, too. Um, but I think that when it all kind of comes together. And the song changes for that room yeah uh, so yeah. i do i do love uh, that grand finale room because it's jingle bells all the way through and then that room Deck is the halls i think yeah we right. wish yeah. you a merry christmas we wish and you know fun fact jack skellington is the first person that always wishes us happy holidays but the first time that we ever see the new year written out is in small world when we're going through the england area there the european area yes they yes. always have the new year. So like right now, as we floated by, it said 2021. And I'm going, whoa, that's the first time I've seen 2021 in writing. Ah, I, I'm telling you, I miss that. I think I miss Christmas Disneyland more than in any other part of it. I mean, I remember, we again, that was probably my last Christmas, right? Was when we went with Australia Guy. We probably went a few times more than that. But I think that's my last memory of writing Small World because we had another friend uh, that sort of joined us in line, if you remember that at all. Oh. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> uh, so it was a very memorable last night there, but, but I enjoyed it. Australia guy got to witness so much in that little window of time. Yeah, yeah, wow. Good times, good times. That, 
I wish we could do a whole podcast about that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was nice. Like, man, Jared is like for real, like Disneyland famous and all the things that come <laughs> along with fame. As we're working our way down Main Street and, you know, it's time to just shop for our pleasure. Mm. I'm going to go grab my favorite treat, the peppermint flavored ice cream. Yes. And the candy cane waffle cone. Now, somehow or another on today's trip, I didn't find time to to go get my peppermint beignet. But there's still 10 more minutes before the park closes, and I'm going to urge you, you should go ahead without me and get that Mickey pick with him in this holiday sweater. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'll meet you down at the end of Main Street. I kind of want that sweater. I, I want to know if they sell that. Yeah, sweater. that's a great I merch wear item. red pants and the green sweater. Like oh, that. dude, I would love to see you. <laughs> that is a great sweater, and if they sold that, that's the type of merchandise that I love because it's smart. Yeah. It's a part of yeah. the park. Quietly Disney, yeah. Yes, I love that. Um, I watched a Disney holiday sing-along special. Okay. Hosted by Ryan Seacrest. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And um, (laughs) I will have to say, the best thing about the special was Ryan Seacrest's sweater. Ah, He had a really nice Mickey holiday sweater on him. Now that is a merchandise item that I would like, you know. I only have very few Disney merch items. Mm-hmm. It's not because I don't like to shop. It's because I'm incredibly picky. And, and I. it's very hard for me to find items that I can feel like I can wear. Um, and so you saying that Mickey sweater should be turned into an item, that's an item that I would buy 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm kind of surprised. I saw a little kid had one and i don't know if they just found one that was similar i don't think it was like a disney brand oh i've seen that photo of him with the kid yeah because the kid's dressed up exactly like mickey which is adorable but all all i'm thinking is gee i want that kid's outfit i know i know man oh man well as we wrap up our christmas stroll together i want to thank you for coming out to the park with me this time of year i know that it's uh as exciting as it is depressing Mm -hmm. and i still want to think Maybe the greatest thing that happened to me this year at Disneyland. Do you remember when we were trying to get reservations for Rise of the Resistance? Mm-hmm. My camera caught a stranger saying something as they walked past us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that might be the most magical thing that happened to me <laughs> at Disney this year. If you want to see what that was, go watch the video on my YouTube channel where Jared and I, it's like, how hard is it to get a boarding pass Rise of Resistance? It shows Jared and I two-day epic journey to, to get on that attraction. But when we're trying to get the passes the first time, in the first three or four minutes of the video, <laughs> a, a guest walks by me saying something very specific. And it picked up on my camera, microphone, and people were like, oh, they probably just saw that, said that because you were filming. With the way that they were going and with the way I was filming, they had no idea I was filming. This is a pure magical catch in the park. <laughs> Good times. Again, 10 years ago. It feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> it, it it does. But hey, we made time before you went on your Epcot journey to That's do right. Rise of the Resistance. And if we didn't, you might be sitting here on the pandemic going, huh, I wonder what that new Star Wars ride's like. I'm telling you, I'd be just so excited to go back. Yeah, I'd probably go to Florida again just to try to get on a, like, like that uh, Mickey's train ride. I had just missed that oh. over in Florida. So 
Yeah, we'll I see. am, and I don't think I'll be going this year. But <laughs> <laughs> I am so Maybe. pumped for Mickey's Runaway Railway to yeah me to too. open up here in California. Have you seen the size of that? Have you drove by the the resort? No, I've just seen pictures of the show building and uh, massive, just oh. like bigger than I had expected that thing to be. So when you drive by and you see the scale of that, you're like, my lord, that's going to be a big attraction. Yeah, uh, great. I'm so it makes me even more excited for it. No, that's. That's going to be a perennial Disneyland classic. It's going to bring back Toontown. Like that will be one that will go the test of time. Yeah, maybe we'll get something else back there too, or maybe that'll just become like a livelier area for all the right reasons. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I was doing a little bit of a monkeying around. I love to look at the map. I love to try to envision new things. I was looking at the map and I was going, okay, if Mickey the Magic Map doesn't come back and mm-hmm. if disney says we don't really need the fantasy land theater to be there there's a couple of really good uses for that space and i'll keep it short because i've talked about it before and did a video about it but out of the three possibilities that i could work the easiest would be something in um fantasy land just takes it over it could be an outdoor attraction or it could mm-hmm. be a smaller attraction whatever but there's a way where toontown could use that land where the um is it gadget coaster or gadget Mm -hmm. yeah gadgets go coaster yeah gadgets go coaster could go away that could become a front facade and then Mm -hmm. the fantasy land theater could be a show building where you would just literally go over or under the tracks however they wanted to work it and that could really make fantasy land a contender if it had two marquee attractions and also still roger rabbit but then there's a third use that i'm most excited about you know docking bay seven is where we eat food. But Docking mm-hmm. Bay 9 is right next to the Resistance Supply Store. And there's right. there's that gate there. Imagine if you walk down that gate, Indiana Jones style, hit a pre-show building, and then when you ride the attraction, you are pumped over into the Fantasyland Theater on your Omnimover or do whatever and come back into Galaxy's Edge. What would make that so amazing is that any attraction they would build in that corner would have to be first order themed. And I love the idea of an attraction themed after the bad guys. <laughs> well, Rise of the Resistance, a little bit, a little bit bad. It's pretty bad guy heavy, wouldn't you say? You know what? It is, but there's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. The theme is, is yeah. Resistance. Uh, what would that be? What, what would you think? Because we've got this sort of animatronic heavy one. We've got the simulator one. What kind of ride would you think would go in that? Would it be a more family friendly I think because of the size of the Fantasyland Theater and the whole way yeah. that you're doing it, I'm thinking it's some sort of like Omni Mover. Like, um, I want to say a slow version of Guardians of the Galaxy Rewind that they're doing out in Orlando. You know, where you're, hmm. you're it's kind of Omni Mover meets Thrill Ride, where you're essentially yeah. just like riding through IMAX screens. Um, yeah. I think something like that would really balance out Galaxy's Edge, give it three attractions, mm. give it, you know, something that's a little, skews a little bit more all ages versus the other two attractions that they have. I don't know, just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, that could be interesting. Maybe like a cadet training thing or something, right? Mm. You know, like you're training to be in the Empire again or something. Hmm. I like that. Or Mandalorian. Let's get some Mandalorian in there. <laughs> that show. Oh god. You want to talk Mandalorian? Do you want to? Do we have time? We have we I can carve out ten minutes for you. It's the best thing on 
streaming right now anywhere. I am, did you watch it? The, the, you watched the most recent one. I, I my Friday morning ritual <laughs> is I'm like Beth, will you please go to the go exercise? She doesn't go to the gym anymore, but she goes and exercise. Yeah. Will you please leave the house so I can have it in complete silence? I put on my Bluetooth headphones, connect to the Apple TV, so it's all in my ears, and I just I look at how long it is. I go, oh, only thirty minutes. But today's episode, if you yeah. haven't seen this week's episode, bye everybody. See you next week. Right. But this episode, the 30 minutes felt epic and long. And I have to say, yes. having a real director made a huge difference this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You can really tell. I mean, the, the story has been consistently good throughout the season and they really... Um, you know, I think people were worried with the first Frog Lady episode that there were going to be too many of these asides or these sort of, you know, mm-hmm. secondhand journeys and stuff. Quest. But they have, like, dove into the story so hardcore, even more so than last season. And it's just been fantastic. Uh, you know, I get nervous when they bring back uh, original trilogy characters, but I thought they handled it just perfectly, like just perfectly uh, in, in this case. And even any nitpicks I might have, I you know, it, it just makes up for it by doing so many other things right. This um, today's episode was was really phenomenal. Uh, the reintroduction of Boba Fett, and mm-hmm. you know, I was just sitting there watching. I go, I never thought that I would be watching a TV show where I would see Slave One fly across the screen i sat up i like literally sat up and a lot of people were thinking that that little boba fett tease at the end of episode one season two where he was just kind of standing on the ridge watching his armor go by on the speeder bike a lot of people thought that that was just planting a seed for season three so when he came back uh today that was really exciting and then when the razor crest just got completely Mm. obliterated i'm like that's something they traditionally don't do in Star Wars movie. Like, you know, every character has their signature, um, you know, vehicle. Right. But also right. the vehicles feel very much like their homestead. It's like mm-hmm. in today's episode, Mandalorian Mando, he had a really rough day. He lost his vehicle. He lost his his home and he lost his stepson. It was um, uh, surprising. Like, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, uh, which is which this show has consistently surprised me, which is great. I think that's why I love it so much. Um, and uh, what did you think though of what they're doing with Baby Yoda with Child Grogu? Um, where he's now on the the Empire's ship, or like what? No, part? no, I'm sorry. With the Force thing that he was sort of meditating, the blue light and all that stuff. I thought that was, I thought it was pretty cool, but I was mm-hmm. still kind of intoxicated that somebody had watched the original trilogy that you and I grew up on as kids and said this whole like Boba Fett bounty hunt like they basically took that one scene from uh, Empire Strikes Back Cloud City where all the the bounty hunters are like you know together and they're like I'm gonna make something about that one little scene just like how somebody's like I'm gonna make something about Rogue One this one look like a lot of people died to get these plans to us and I was just sitting there watching. Go, I can't believe I'm watching Boba Fett, Slave One, a whole show about bounty hunters and sort of outlaws. Um, I I really like the way they have used Grogu this season. Yeah, the character development's been great. It hasn't been too much. Um, when uh, uh, forgive me, what's what's her name? Um, the 
The other bounty hunter? Oh, oh, uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka, thank you. <clears throat> when uh, Ahsoka showed up and like quickly was mm-hmm. like, his name's Gro- Grogu. This is where he's from. This is what he's seen. Like that was like a, a lot of information at once. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. we would maybe be at season three or four before we learned all that. Uh, that was a big data dump. And it's kind of interesting that um, that she's just like, oh, this child could be Darth Vader level like bad because mm-hmm. he's attached to somebody. And in a very irresponsible way, she's like, so I hands off hot potato. I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And just yeah, kind yeah. of like left it to be. I, I found that to be kind of interesting. Well, I think because of her, so she had the history with with Anakin, and right. I think that's what they're kind of trying to just allude to, because they they didn't. Inv- I thought they were going to involve her a little more. I thought mm-hmm. she was going to, you know, it does feel a little bit like a nice setup for her own show. Yeah, um, which I would think I thought, would be awesome. Because I thought, well, she can't. You knew, like, she can't train him. He's not going to leave this kid at this point sure, right sure uh, unless they were going to do something crazy like he does leave her but then she gets killed or something like that which i didn't think was going to happen either so you kind of knew that wasn't going to be the case but um uh, i thought it was interesting the way that they you know looking at the timeline with where the jedi are at that point to say put him on this rock and see who responds to the call when there are so few jedi out there yeah. even with these new ones that we've received you'd think she'd be a little more like we need to protect this thing uh at least protect it if not train it yeah you know? so that felt a little detached for me emotionally but um yeah i'm curious to see what they're gonna do as far as the jedi because I, again like i said i have no idea where this story is going like i don't feel like well he does have to end up with this like i don't feel like anything is set yet i've so. always thought that season two would end with grogu and like one area and Mando and the other one. I always thought that this season would end with them separated, making season three about the journey. And there's been so many times when it's like, you know, he just leaves the child here or there and you're like, oh, is this right. the moment they get separated? Um, I do have to say it was pretty heartbreaking <laughs> seeing him in the arms of, uh, what are the what are the death troopers? What are they called? Dark troopers. Dark trooper. Yeah. The dark trooper like flying and like little baby... Grogu yeah. like terrified and then like just fighting off people in the uh the the star cruiser there. Right. It's I don't know, it's interesting. It really shows what a like a dark world they all live in. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just lawless times and it, it it's almost like there's no pleasure, right? And if you do have pleasure at any moment, another group of people can come in and take it from you. Right. I, I do like that they're showing, like, th- there's a lot of talk about this sort of bridging the, the trilogies, uh, you know, between what happened at the end of Jedi and where we are in Force Awakens and with the cloning of the Emperor and, and Snoke and all of that stuff. And I am a little interested in that, like, having some background. This is by far more interesting, I think, than anything they've done in the new trilogy. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. Um, like him being so force strong at the end, they're throwing those stormtroopers around. It was a funny scene and everything, but it's interesting to see that they're having him be very active all of a sudden. Where you know he's reluctant to to carry that to do the ball or the rock with her, right? But then he's just throwing these guys around. Well, like, one survival. Like that. Yeah, that's true. That is true, and that's kind of what I got from it. Um, but I'm curious to see what they what they do with him now. <laughs> if he were to go, ultimately become. A villain. 
Yeah. Uh, right? Because he's he's grown up around all of these crazy people, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he runs around with a bounty hunter and is always seeing sort of these like, you know, despicable people and, and always seeing all this destruction of bad folks. And if he was part of a Jedi temple that then got raided in what is that, um sixty eight or whatever it is, uh they're, oh, 66? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm always two words away from all the Star Wars stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, when Spock comes back. But um, 68 was cleaned up. That was all cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. 68. <laughs> <laughs> Order 66. But when, if he has seen a lot of this stuff, and he, he is very powerful, but he hasn't been, like, in a nurturing environment. Right. right if right, right. he does go evil, how crazy will that affect years of merchandise sales? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like uh, Darth Vader, then, right? It would be—it's basically like an Anakin story, yeah, uh, all over again. Um, but it seems like the Empire's more interested in him for like uh, physical things, not so much to train him. But no, they just like, want his DNA, the blood, yeah, or the, yeah the, that kind of thing to to do whatever they're going to do with it. So that's pretty dark in itself, right? Sure. Like, Imagine like explaining Darth- that to a six-year-old. <laughs> child yeah yeah so again like we only have what two episodes left two, for man. this season and uh you know it's just gonna be a crazy cliffhanger that's just gonna kill me for another year i told a friend today i'm like we're two weeks away from no more mandalorian yeah in my mind two weeks away from downtown disney and dca being closed again I'm like we're literally two way two weeks away from being back to march i just have a christmas tree in my living room it's going to be worse. It's going to be a long winter, I think. Uh, but, you know, this vaccine stuff has given me a little hope. Like so, it's sort of this very distant light, but a little bit. You and I, early on when we were having these conversations, and I don't even know why we're talking about this on a Disney podcast, but right, we were both like, I don't know about a vaccine. I know me personally, I'm ready to get this over with. I'm ready to take it today. Where are you at? So I'm thinking, like, I am still a little nervous about it, sure. but all for it. But I feel like by the time it comes around to the general public, when we would actually be receiving it, yeah. I, I think by then I am going to be, like, first in line. Well, you know, podcasters so, I, are essential employees, so that's I'm, absolutely I, right. I'm at the top of the list. <laughs> it's going to come with your annual pass renewal. Oh, my God. Uh, Vaccine yeah. and a pass. Yeah. That's a new suitcase <laughs> in a dream. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, man. I think I'll be ready. I, I just... I'm. I want this. I'm all antsy for it to just start happening, right? Like, okay, let's get these, get yes. the doctors, uh, get these people. Let's get the ball rolling and let's head in that direction because this Christmas is going to be the darkest of Christmases. I think. Really is. I hope I get a dark saber for Christmas because it'll be the only thing that's on brand for everything else that's happening. <laughs> yeah, totally. That thing looks kind of. I feel like that's a hard thing to pull off visually on TV. It's a little cheesy, yeah. but that's what I like about it. Like, that's what I love about this show is it's got that balance of the practical effects and the, the you know, like the, the actual hardcore technology is so invisible, Yeah, right? Like they're not anywhere near these places, but it looks fantastic. Uh, and so you don't notice that as much as these little cheesy, you know, Dr. Mandible, just the cheesiest thing they could have put in there. And it's, I'm just so happy to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, in a Star Wars film again. So it's great. I, it, I mean, it couldn't be more made for somebody of my age because it's mm-hmm. literally people my age making Star Wars for their generation. Like it's all the little bits and pieces that you really loved in Star Wars and Empire that they're just like, we're going to just make this a whole thing. I, I'm I'm very excited to see where the Obi Wan 
series goes. Uh, I'm excited to see if there is an Ahsoka thing that's coming up. Like, but this is. I hope that they can keep this pace where this is always like Mandalorian is always a fall and a holiday thing. I don't know why yeah. Star Wars pairs so well with the holidays. It really, really does. I think that one of the main things too is I feel like it reassures me that they can get this recipe right. Because with these last few films, I was beginning to think like, well, maybe I don't like Star Wars in the same way that <laughs> when people you I, like Star Wars. <laughs> when we went and watched this, the, the last movie, yeah, you'd already seen it once. Yeah, so yes. something crazy would happen. I would look over at you and you were already smiling, like sitting there going, and, and? I was yeah, like, are yeah. you kidding me, man? I mean, the people next to me like said no out loud when they kissed. <laughs> like, like like just a gut reaction like no <laughs> dude talking about being at the right place at the right time it is unbelievable how disney plus is holding up the walt disney corporation right now mm, yeah yeah it really is the future in, in many ways um uh, yeah i i think uh, mulan was a bumpy sort of debut for that but i think uh enough that yeah, I mean, we they've announced that they're going hardcore in that direction. Yeah, so Warner uh, Brothers, new era. Yeah, the second yep. biggest film company in the world. They have announced that next year they will be doing uh, in theater and home same day. So you know you'll have your decision to make: Do you want to go see Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four in a theater, or do you just want to pay a little bit more and watch it at home? Um, which uh, that's going to really change things. And I think that if Milan would have been a better movie the bumpiness wouldn't have been quite so noticeable. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, again, I think we'll look back on this and just say, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be a trivia question. What was the first Disney yeah, film? Yeah. To, you know? um, but yeah, I agree with you, too. It, it's, um, but it's a good, it was a good test run, I think, for that. Like, there you go. Okay, what does he do? The Spider-Bot? Yes. Well, he doesn't yeah, I, walk straight. Good. I tried forever to get him to walk into my camera and he just kind of goes wherever he wants to go. It doesn't doesn't move efficiently, but it has a much better controller than the bots. Oh. These little look at that. these are lights up here that tell you how many like how much power you have and this sort of uh over here indicates if you ha you know how many more blasters you have. So it's definitely designed to buy two into battle. Um but it moves a little bit weird. And I did the self-destruct feature of it where this oh. piece pops off and I have oh, nice. no idea how to get this piece back on. I've been trying <laughs> to get it on. Like I'm giving this away to somebody who comments on a YouTube uh, video. This is my, my giveaway this month. Nice. And I literally have no idea. So whenever I ship this to some, some, somebody, I'm like, by the way, tell me how you got the top back on it. Oh my gosh. Can You need a 10-year-old. Just come right in there and pop that back on for you. Nice. Ah, you got the partner statue. Very yeah. nice. Good old Dave Perillo. What a funny guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just a completely hilarious guy at all times. All right, Jared, I'm now showing you toys on an audio program. I think there it's officially time We've we say goodbye. This. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, friends. There's today's first of several holiday episodes that I have planned for all of us. Oh, standing here on Main Street. With this beautiful snow filling the Disneyland skies. Friends, I'm dedicated to work twice as hard this holiday season to make it feel real and to still give all of us a Disneyland holiday season. That's why I want to enjoy you with me Sunday, December 13th 
virtual Disneyland as I recreate an afternoon and evening of Disneyland Christmas. All the attractions, all the traditions, all the rituals. Won't you come with me? Available over on YouTube, available over on Twitch. Let's hang out. Let's recreate Disneyland holiday and let's do it together. And I know we've, we've done several of these when we all get together. It's amazing how real we can make it feel. And I need you this year to help me make it feel real because we're heading into a very weird December. And I know that if you and I work together, we can make it one, one to remember. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please tell a friend all the fun that you're having and tell a friend to join you at Virtual Disneyland December 13th when Club 1313 recreates an evening of Disneyland Christmas. Thank you so much for being here. Until the next time I see you on Main Street at Christmas time, I'll see you back here on the podcast or over on YouTube. Merry Christmas. See you Sunday, December 13th.